everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Rolando, and we're on episode 380. And this is a themed yeah. episode. That's right. 380 episodes in, and we are still reselling, man. And, and honestly, we spent probably a good half hour before we started recording just uh, catching yeah, up we did. on like personal stuff and then on some reselling stuff. And uh, it's crazy that, you know, we've been doing this for so long. And it's funny because I still feel. Like I'm the new guy on the block, but you know, I've kind of been doing this for a little while and we both have experienced some, uh, some crazy ups and downs and reselling. And in fact, that's what we're going to be talking about today kind of is the, the state of re- reselling in 2024. And, uh, we want to kind of know where, where is reselling today? Cause if we were to look back at where we started episode one, episode 100, episode 200, uh, even earlier in 2023, uh, reselling changes. And so we want to be able to take a, a moment to kind of look back and say, uh, where where have things been and where are things now? Like, what's the absolute state of reselling as of 2024? Yeah. And it's interesting because as we were putting together this episode, I, I decided, hey, let's let's take a look at what we said back in June. So not that long ago, like six months ago. And I think reselling has changed so much since then. I think it's good to revisit uh, the ideas that we discussed. And not only that, uh, to give us kind of, I don't know, some kind of view of what 2024 is going to look like. I, I think we're at a place right now where I don't know if there's going to be huge changes uh, coming in 2024 based on how things are going on the macro level. I would say on just, you know, the surface level where practically what do you do to resell? And I'll, I'll say right now, uh, you know, I, I think there is and, and I'll say this all the time. I think there are a lot of people that are doing really well. And at the same time, there's a lot of people that are, are doing poorly and, and things are not going well. And then there's also, you know, on social media, there's the individuals that no matter how bad it is, they're never going to say how bad it is. It's always going to be how great it is. Look at the stuff I found. Look how much money I'm making. Uh, it's never going to be the full picture. And so whenever you hear our episodes, Think about your own business. Think about what you're doing. That's our whole goal. Mike and I are, are not gurus. We're all about just documenting our journey. And reselling has changed a lot. Uh, you know, and it depends how long you've been reselling too. You know, we get people on social media all the time. I'll post something like, oh, things were so good, you know, back in the day. And people are like, well, that's how things were in 2020. We're just back to the original numbers. And I make the argument of no, no, no. <laughs> things were actually better before 2020 things were really good in 2020 but 2016 17 18 19 those are really good years and, and i know that because we documented a lot of that when we first started the podcast and so we're going to take a look at today the state of reselling where we're at so first i want to discuss platforms and when we originally discussed this we had talked about how uh large platforms are charging more to sell and i would say overall i think the returns on reselling are less meaning costs obviously are more to buy things, whether you're going to the thrift, even going to the bins, the cost has gone up. Uh, the fees that you have to pay to get yourself sold has changed. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on some of that, Mike? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough thing to kind of uh, figure because prices have gone up across the board in, in pretty much everything. And so um, the prices are definitely up. It's hard to determine what is specifically unique to reselling price increases because there is some of that that affects resellers uh, more uh, specifically, you know, whether it's some some prices at thrift stores because they're selling things on their websites themselves or, uh, you know, shipping price increases versus what's just normal or maybe not normal, but just the inflation that's impacting all markets and all sectors. Um, and, you know, the hard part is, is in reselling, we're seeing kind of that flip side of as prices are going up everywhere else, we're having to sell stuff for less, uh, which then again is something we can capitalize on because then we're able to potentially buy things from the secondary market, whether it's eBay or at garage sales for, for less. So it's kind of a weird, like it's both happening at the same time. Like some prices are going up, but you can definitely off find people offloading full collections of stuff for cheaper because they're trying to make ends meet too. So um, it's it's that stuff isn't going to sell as quickly and as and for as much today. But um, you're getting it at a cheaper price. So if prices go back up, you'll be all right. So it's it's a weird it's a weird dichotomy happening there. I feel like yeah. It on a practical level, I looked at my numbers towards the end of the year because you know things went decent during q4 i mentioned this and things just kind of fell off a cliff for a little bit and then things rebounded and i, I was interested you know are things the same because i didn't i didn't feel like things have changed much since from year to year on my end and i looked and sure enough i, I made about the same amount it wasn't that i made a ton more i, I didn't make less but the, so uh, on the very on, on the gross numbers, okay, not on the net numbers. But then when I looked at the net numbers, I definitely made about eight to ten percent less than I made the year before. And so if you factor in the eight to ten less, and then you factor in that inflation has been you know rising the entire year, uh, and I looked at why did I make eight to ten percent less? Well, it was the fees, <laughs> and so the fees have changed. I was taking a look at. So promoted listings, right? I've definitely up my my promoted listings. I remember we were two percent. I was at least two percent all across the board. And then eBay, remember they made that change that like one percent doesn't matter anymore because people used to be one percent, then people changed to two percent, and now eBay introduced dynamic ad rates, and I kept mine at eight percent. And so I started looking at that, and I'm like, that's it. Like you know, I I've mentioned this before. I'm working just as hard or even harder i'm working i think i'm working twice as hard to make the same amount of money maybe even more and so as you look into 2024 i encourage everyone to definitely look at your 2023 numbers and compare them to 2022 or even compare them like you could just do comparison for this month to last month and you can do that by going uh, to the reports page and looking at your sales there and on ebay and it'll it'll tell you and so yeah it's definitely costing a lot more to sell and we and we know that that that's that's on general, but I, I find that I I think partly is due to that these platforms have realized that charging sellers more is going to sustain them, right? We know about eBay's numbers that they make more money on promoted listings than they do on gross merchandise value, which is the amount of money they make on items that sell on their platform. And so, if if you're new to reselling, uh, be aware that you know you you may catch an old Pierce of podcast, or you may catch a old YouTube that's like I don't promote anything, I don't do any of that, and and you might find yourself that that they may work, but you really have to have unique items that sell well, and that that's really tough. I find that it's only like very experienced resellers that can do that. But if you're new and you're picking up clothing or 
you're 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 just picking up things that you see people saying on YouTube that these sell well. That you're gonna have to be more aggressive on how you pick up stuff, and you're gonna have to be more aggressive on how you promote your stuff on eBay or whatever platform you're using. I mean, even whatnot the expense. I remember whatnot the golden era was like three four years ago, where you know they had that thing where you ship stuff and every every item you ship after is only cost you a dollar. Like that era is gone, right? Their fees have gone up also. Uh, Poshmark does promoted listings, so you know Amazon charges you more now. Uh, for keeping their items in storage. And so everything has gone all around. So when you go into 2024 and you're buying inventory, you have to think about all those things that are happening. Now, the other item is, uh, you know, things are getting far more, I think, buyer-centric. Or you think it's always been like that, Mike? Um, it's it's I don't know. It's weird because a platform like eBay, uh, in a lot of ways, us sellers are the customer. And the customers are like the... I don't know what the right term is. It's like the, uh, I'm not even sure what to say for that, but, but, and I don't even know if it's that. I mean, they're kind of working as like a broker. So basically both, both are customers, right? Like, as you said, they're making more money off of fees and they're making more money off of all of that now than they are just the, the final value fees, you know, their gross value. So a lot more of it's promoted listings, a lot more of it's those types of store subscriptions, a lot more, um, are are it, they're cutting into the sellers, right? So that means if more and more of their profits coming from the sellers, in a lot of ways, the sellers are their customers. But I understand what you're saying, where it seems like they're more customer uh, centric in the sense of our customers. They put a little bit more effort and energy into removing negative, or I'm sorry, uh, not removing negative feedback like they used to. Um, I, I want to. It's been a couple episodes ago, but me and you kind of got into a, a bit of a, a debate on whether or not they're moving and whether or not you were like, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I think you're probably more right than I was giving you credit for in the sense of, I, I do think that eBay is not as lenient as they used to be with removing negative feedback. I'm seeing so many people saying that. Uh, it just seems to be across the board that that's kind of the case, uh, that they're allowing maybe some even real shady and, and kind of questionable feedback to stay on. Uh, and same thing with, you know, other platforms as well. Um, I would say the only one that might be different that doesn't seem as customer centric in that sense is if I feel like Amazon is making a little bit harder for returns. I see like a lot more mm. of a push, at least yeah. some things that I've read that that they're not going to be as accepting of returns. They might have some fees attached to those. Uh, at least those are some of the rumors that I've seen. Um, maybe maybe it's been confirmed. It I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but again, in that sense, that that's more of them trying to protect themselves. Um, so I think you're right. I think I think they're the platforms are trying to stay buyer centric uh, because they are trying to they're trying to stay afloat. You know, there, there's I don't think I mean, of course, I, I believe that the the wealthy, powerful people in charge, the CEOs, the board members, they want to stay in charge and they want to keep making lots of money and they want to be able to go on their expensive trips. And it's not like they're all just like got altruistic reasons for what they're doing. But at the same time, um, I don't think there's this like evil plan where they're like, let's squeeze more, let's squeeze more. I think that they're like, they're like seeing that they're treading water and they want to keep afloat and they want to see uh, platforms like eBay, uh, platforms like Poshmark, all these platforms, they want to see them um, succeed and keep going because they're thinking, I want to have a job two years from now, three years from now. I don't want this company to like keep failing. And so they have to they have to give where they can and sometimes that might be hey we need we need customer 
uh, satisfaction and we need customer like loyalty and, and confidence in our brand. Like we need them to feel like, hey, if they shop on eBay, they're going to be able to get an easy return. If they shop on eBay, they're going to be able to vent and be crazy if they need to be. And we're not just going to. So I get that it's almost like a PR thing on their their end. Um, but yeah, I think you're right uh, that there is that that buyer centric aspect to it for sure. Yeah, and but again, again, like it's it's so hard. Like even with what we were saying with like the cost of things, like them charging more fees going up. If you had a brick and mortar, I mean, I know what uh, I know what uh, residential real estate prices have been recently, and the increases. Whether you're you're looking at, at owning or renting, uh, I can only imagine that commercial real estate's the same. Uh, I would yeah. imagine that it's following that same that same trajectory. So if you're a brick and mortar person your fees and everything else are going up. Your rent's going up. Your insurance is going up. Your electricity is going up. So does it suck? Yes. I th but I think that, again, it's just kind of the, it is the state of reselling and it's not just reselling. Yeah. And I think a part of it, I do have, this is going to go online with our next thing we're going to talk about, but I do think uh, there are more sellers right now than, than ever before. Um, I, and, and maybe this is counter to it. I don't have any direct evidence. I mean, I have the latest, there's some stats are made by Statista that there was like 700,000 more sellers on eBay this year in comparison to 2022. Uh, but even then, you know, you can look at stats either way. But I, I, I am interested. To, I, I wish we could find some real raw data as to how many more sellers, because I have the impression that there are a lot more sellers than there have been before. And I think that's part of the reason as to why we're not getting as many sales as before. Uh, and I think it's because, you know, there are more people selling items, right? The algorithm, I think the algorithm not only looks to looking for people that are, you know, top rated seller and, and have the best pictures and all these different things. But I think part of it also wants to reward those that are new sellers, right? They want to they want to keep people on the platform, right? Because if they're making money from sellers, you know, why are you going to, you know, make it tougher for the new guy? Right. Don't you want the new guy to get hooked in? Don't you want the new guy to make make money? And so part of that also leads to the fact that, you know, you may have been a, a reseller who's been selling for a long time and you're used to a certain amount of sales a day. Well, I think, you know, your sales are still going to come through, but it's not going to be the numbers that they used to be unless something changes on your end. Uh, I think it's going to the share is going to go to newer sellers that are on the platform because eBay very much knows that newer sellers means more fees. It, that they can charge, whether it be promoted, whether it be pay-per-click, uh, whatever it is. And again, I know this is this is getting into conspiracy theory, but it would just make sense. If I was the CEO and I had to take care of the bottom line of eBay and I realized that right now in this economy, I'm making more money off of sellers, I'd welcome more sellers and I would do everything I could to ensure that those sellers continue to list items on the platform and, and make sure to, you know, you kind of have to find a way uh, for the algorithm to keep everybody wanting to continue listing and and selling on eBay, and again, that, I think that's I think there is some conspiracy to that, but uh, that leads into the next part that I think, as a result of things getting spread out with new sellers, this is the first time I've said this in a while, but I do think in twenty twenty four resellers are going to have to find other ways to to sell things. I, I think you could say z honed in on on eBay. Uh, and I think I still might do that. The reason I'm going to do that is I'm probably going to find another stream to make money. It may not be reselling, but let's say you want to stick it to reselling. I think I do think the time has come 
not to go all crazy and do like eight platforms, but at least one or two uh, just to get those secondary third sales. I don't think you get a lot more eyes selling on other platforms. I really don't. But you do get some more eyes, right? You get well, different I audiences. I, I think it's more than just going on to other platforms, though. I think there's I feel like there's always been, especially when I first started reselling, almost like a pride that resellers would take of like I'm full time uh, eBay seller, which means there's no other income that comes into this house except for eBay. Mm. Right. Like the only money that I make. But but then the other side of the spectrum is like we, we we're kind of in the hustle culture of like, you know, make money, grind, all those things, find other ways. And it to me, it seems unless you're easily crushing it, I'm using that word, like you're just you're just crushing eBay to the point where where you you've got so much money coming in, you can't even to to move into another platform would would split your income. And it would be silly because you're making so much money on eBay. If you're kind of just like, man, I'm working harder, making a little less, I'm working harder and making a little less, like take all of the skills that 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 reselling has given you and 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 broaden it. It's not just like, well, I guess I'm going to have to put these same shirts that I have on eBay and put them on Poshmark. Now I've broadened. It's like that. Yeah, that's one way of broadening. (laughs) But you can also say like, I've learned skills. I've learned negotiation. I know how to like spot something that's like not valuable or uh, is valuable and then make it more valuable or like connect it to the right people. So can you find all those skills that you have and you've developed writing good pictures, taking all the different things you've done recently, bookkeeping, um, running a business, right? Because a lot of people, it's like when I first started, it was like I, I'm my my money all went into the bank account. And I just kind of kept a ledger of like how much of it was like eBay money. And then I had that one tote in the corner of the garage. Then I had more. And the next thing you know, I've got like a business account. And then I've got like, uh, you know, a sole proprietorship. And then I've got insurance, you know, all the different things that get bigger and bigger. And you start treating your business like a business and you realize, hey, this, these things that I've learned how to do, how to do my taxes, how to do bookkeeping, all I can take a lot of these skills and and they roll over into other things. Like I can find other ways of making money that is still connected to reselling and isn't necessarily just flipping on eBay. Like maybe it is like, you know what? I'm going to take some of these skills and I'm just going to get, I'm going to be the guy who does like you talked about last episode. I'm going to be the guy that's like flipping um, uh, washers and dryers out of my backyard that I fix up and, and, and I've just learned how to like source them really cheap and then get them and, fix them. And I've, I know the, the drop off points and I know I built up a reputation already on Facebook marketplace. People know that I'm a reputable seller and I, and on offer up. So take the things you already have and find other ways. Um, so I, I do think it's not just the platforms, um, but it's, 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 it's broadening out with the skills that you have. Like, don't be afraid to say as a reseller, that you're just stuck into one niche. I mean, don't have all of your eggs in one basket unless you're, you're making again so much money that it would be foolish to do otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I agree with you. I agree with that. And we'll, we'll get into that more later on, too. But yeah, I, I totally see what you're saying. And for example, consignment. Consignment is it's not like going on another platform, right? You have a certain skill set. You have a store that you've been running for a while, right? It has consistent sales. You know what you're selling and maybe you should be open to more consignment, right? I've already dabbled a little bit into consignment. Uh, I, I just I, I think there's going to have to be something different. I, I don't find that right now. Uh, eBay is putting in the results for a lot of people. Uh, and again, there are some people that are probably crushing it. I don't know many. Uh, I personally, I don't know many. And I, I don't base my evidence on what I see on social media because uh, <laughs> Mike and I have been on social media for a long time. And and the stories we've heard about people, it just I'm like, yeah, you can't go on what you see on social media. But 
uh, you can know on your own, okay, you know what? I need to make an extra 500 in reselling. And like Mike said, that can mean either you sell on a different platform or you take the skill that you learned. You know, there are some of you that are, are, are very good of, of finding quality clothing or, or repurposing things. Uh, repurposing is still a pretty, you know, pretty, I, I see, I see it all the time. It's a, it's a pretty valuable skill to have, whether you're repurposing dressers, uh, re repurposing, uh, you know, clothing. Uh, some, there's some people that do that. I mean, th there's different ways to make it happen. Uh, some people, you know, I know a lot of people talk bad about Etsy these days, but there are some people that are still crushing it on Etsy. And so I, 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 for the first time, I think in the last few years, I finally felt that, uh, eBay is not the only way I've always thought eBay was the way. And I, I do think that's changing All right now. There is one thing that is not changing and that is that tax time is coming soon and it will be here, uh, in April before you know it. And, you know, one of the greatest tools that we've been able to use is My Reseller Genie. My Reseller Genie is bookkeeping software that is specifically made for resellers by resellers. And so if you haven't had a chance to check out My Reseller Genie, I encourage you to. We have a code that you can use to get 15% off the first month. You go to the link below. And on top of that, we're still running our promotion of one free month to My Reseller Genie for one person in the comments each month. Uh, and so what you need to comment I know it's a little old because uh, it seems like Q4 was a long time ago. Uh, so maybe just talk about, you know, uh, what has been your best sale from Q4 to post Q4? What has been the thing? And it doesn't have to be anything you made a, a lot of money on. You know, we're not looking for hustle of the week. We do have hustle of the week. We're going to share today uh, on the podcast. Uh, but let us know in the comments. And I did get an assurance from my reseller, Genie that this not does not just apply to new people signed up for my reseller genie. This could be for any of you OGs who have been on my reseller genie. Yeah. Right. So, hey, it never hurts to ask. And I asked and they're like, go, go for it. And so uh, make sure to put your comment there. We're going to be drawing uh, the first winner on our first podcast of February for the month of January. So we're going to take all those usernames and run them through like some random algorithm picker and uh, we'll get a winner there. So if you haven't checked out my reseller genie, you're stressing about your taxes. Go check them out. They'll import all your information from eBay. You don't need Excel spreadsheets. It'll have everything ready for you. And so check out my reseller genie. All right. Love it. So how are you think buyers have changed in the last six months? You think buying habits have changed? What's your perspective here, Mike? In the last six months. Okay, so what did we say before? Like before I say changing. Well, we said we said people are, are still buying. We said that, you know, people are still looking for deals. I, I think some of that's true. But do you think like, people are looking for even better deals? Do you think there's less buyers now? Well, what, I mean, it is January. Q4 is over. What, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if we're just um, looking at January alone right now, which is kind of what we're all feeling and experiencing. Yeah, the buyers are are, are definitely not as prevalent. They're, they're not as, as uh, free flowing with their money because they spent it all. In uh, December, <laughs> they spend it all around Christmas time. We're all dealing with our returnuary right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think we're also going into we're going into tax time here pretty soon. So I think that's a lot of for a lot of people a big influx of money. And I think people are always going to be people. I think I think there is a a lot of wise individuals who they recognize things are tight. Uh, they're they're struggling a little bit here and there, and so when money comes in, extra money like tax money, they're they're smart with it. They either save it, they pay off some debt, they 
do those repairs to the car because they have the money or whatever it is. But I just have known too many people that it doesn't matter what their situation is, how hard it is for them. Like they can barely afford to, you know, whatever it is, put gas in the tank one, one week. And then all of a sudden they get a little extra money and they're getting a tattoo the next week, you know? So people just spend money. And I think that people, that that's not going to change until, unless things got really, really, really bad where like people were, were starving, right? Like then at that point, like people are going to be more like, no, I'm not spending money. But I, I think, think when people get extra, matter if we get to that, point. <laughs> that, well, that's what I mean. Like, so, so, People are always going to be people. I think the, yeah, they're going to be looking for deals. Uh, but in times when extra money comes in, you know, when it's, I think between tax time coming, also we got election year coming up, which oftentimes, you know, a lot of things start happening all of a sudden and, and, and economy tends to get better really fast and in a short period of time, because you could always manipulate. I mean, every, both sides of the, the aisle do it. You know, you're getting close. You try and manipulate things on, on whether it's interest rates or, or, uh, you throw in a bunch of grants into a certain industry and all that industry is, 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 you know, hiring again. And so I think, I think there, there will be money. And when there is extra money, people, people spend, and of course, um, there, people do look for deals more and more people kind of do the, uh, looking for, for deals. They're trying to, to, to make low ball offers. Uh, they're shopping around. Uh, but again, if you've got a, a good good prices you got the items people are looking for at competitive prices i still think you're going to sell them yeah i i agree i will I'll, I'll share my own personal experience being that this is what we we do as document this q4 i've mentioned this before i had maybe two or three home runs maybe if i got lucky and when i mean home runs i'm talking about sales that were higher than 300 dollars. and previous q4s i had i don't know 20 or 30 of them Right. I have a three hundred dollar sale here, five hundred dollar sale here, six hundred, sometimes eight hundred dollars. One year I had a thousand dollars. I mean, and in one sale. And I found that this Q4, I had so many, so many sales that were unfortunately I did have some ten dollar sales, which I'm not proud of, but those are just items I just quickly listed and, and shipped. And so it wasn't that big of a deal. But I had so many of those. I had so many twenty dollar sales. I had so many $30 sales, but I didn't have those huge home runs. And to me, it tells me that people are trying to get the max amount of money for every dollar that they're spending. And so they're, you know, like you've heard it before, like in, in, in bad economic times, you know, the first people to starve are artists. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, I have some major, uh, not major, but I have some really solid like art pieces I have some really solid vintage stuff and it's just not moving. And some people might say, well, it's because you're pricing. And that's true. That's part of it. But, uh, you know, it, it's not like it's priced like crazy out of out of the competitive range. It may mm -hmm. be a little bit towards the top, maybe towards the middle, but it's just that stuff is not moving. And so I think buying habits have changed. And so, you know, I, I had watched somebody who's fairly new and, and on the rise on, on, on YouTube and they were talking about how much money there is on VCR uh, DVD combos, right? And do you remember how much were those selling for? Do you remember like two, three years ago, five years ago, how much were those selling for on average? Do you remember? I mean, I remember selling several for like 150-ish. I don't yeah, know if some are probably more. <laughs> Think about it. You're saying 150-ish, all right? On this video, they're like, oh, it's so awesome. Like I buy these for five, 10 bucks and I flip them for 50 to $60. I'm like, yeah. wow, like, you know, things have changed. And that that's 
that is the in economics it's called elasticity, right? That is the top of the cost of uh, the top that people are willing to pay for a certain item, right? Because anything more than that is an inconvenience. And so they're not, you know, they're not going to go pay the 150 anymore. Now, are there some that do sell for 150, 200, 300? Yeah, there are. There are. They have to be a certain brand, and most of them have to be DVD recorders. But back in the day, I, I'll, I'll never forget. Remember, Mike, that uh, were you around? Were we? I don't know if we were friends back then, but there was a school that was shutting down. This is when we were both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. School. I went out there. I went out yeah, there. Remember, with you. Okay, okay. See, I'm getting old, man, and things blur, but right? Do you remember how much I walked away with? Do you remember that at all? You probably don't remember. Um, Wait, no, I don't know. Maybe it was two schools that shut down because I think we went to one and they didn't want to sell you the stuff. But there was because you were telling me you went to another one. You picked up a bunch of VCRs. Yeah. yeah. So I went to one and this is the schools were moving to using like streaming and so on. Mm. But every single classroom had a DVD VCR combo on like a cart. Remember the carts that used to roll into classrooms? And so I bought like 20 or 30 of those. And I remember I put them on Amazon and I remember during Prime Day in the middle of the summer, I made thousands, thousands within 24 to 48 hours. That's not possible anymore. Like that is and the, the the buying habits have changed. And so so be aware of that. You know, again, the, the idea that you may buy stuff and you're like, oh, this is something that, you know, I've seen comps or I, I've checked out comps and I, pay, I see people paying hundreds. But that may not be true. I, I That may be true for like certain collectibles, certain hard to find items. But if it's your day-to-day you know dvd vcr combo or whatever like that has a that has definitely changed and there's only certain dollar amounts that people are trying to buy now on the other end uh you know you definitely have to find a find a way to be competitive right and what i mean by that is you know we've we've said this so many times but sales are are just there, there's no time that you shouldn't be running a sale there's no time that there shouldn't be a coupon or something like there has to be some kind of discount given to bring people in just having prices. I remember back in the day, um, there's, I forget who it was, but I think Craigslist hunter, maybe there was a time, I don't want to be wrong, but there was a time where his store was just, this is the price. And there wasn't even like a best offer. It was just, this is the price. Mm. And people were doing well. He wasn't the only one, but there are a lot of people that were, were doing that where they had no best offer. They weren't running sales and they were just selling stuff like those days especially in 2024 are going to be non-existent. I just don't think those days exist. So anyways, all right. I've talked too much here. Um, did you get a lot of crazy returns this Q4? Um, I haven't gotten a lot of returns, but I've gotten some cancellations that have really upset me. Um, okay. I, I think like buyers regret or remorse right away. As soon as the sale happens, they're like, Oh, actually, can I cancel this? Mm-hmm. Like right before I like had a chance to pack it up and, and send it out. I've had a couple of those. Um, luckily, I mean, honestly, I can't say I haven't had a bunch of returns because I'm so lucky. I haven't had a lot of returns cause I just haven't sold tons and tons of things. Right. If, I, I bet you if my percentage of sales was up, I would also have a higher percentage of returns. But, uh, what about you? Have returns been awful? Oh yeah, it's been it's been bad, but it's been more of non-legitimate returns. What I mean is, somebody says, "Hey, it didn't fit right. I didn't like it. Um, you know, I didn't like the cost of shipping." Um, I've been getting a lot of those. Where before, you know, in most Q4s, people when they buy stuff, they're buying something they really want. So for you to get the return, it's very rare. 
Uh, and the most of the returns I would get would be on Amazon, not on the eBay side. But this time around, it, it was a lot more of those. It, I, I can't tell you how many I got of, you know, I just didn't like it, which is interesting. And I think part of that goes to people are are really, you know, holding their money tight. Right. Because, you know, they spend they, they work hard. Inflation's hit them. They don't want to spend a lot of money on things. They find something they like. And, and again, it's the typical low dollar items that are I get these for. You know, I don't I something that people somebody has spent five hundred dollars on, which wasn't very often, or somebody that pays a hundred dollars. I, I didn't get a lot of returns of those. Most of the returns I got were like the twenty, thirty dollar items. You know, I don't like this pair of shoes. These shoes didn't fit right. This jacket was too big. You know, it was all these different things. Even though I put measurements, even though I took pictures of, you know, the sizes, even though sometimes I would even measure the insole, whatever it may be. I still get those returns. So expect some of that uh, this Q4, uh, not this Q4, this 2024. Uh, I would strongly encourage you, uh, if you're not a top-rated seller, become a top-rated seller on eBay because what that will do is it will give you greater protections. It will allow you to give 50% off. Uh, it will allow you to you know, not refund shipping sometimes. If you, feel, you know, I, I do that a lot. I do put it in writing that like if, if something is being returned because it doesn't fit, or because you you know you didn't like it that original shipping will not be uh, refunded. I know I'm gonna cause a stir in the comments because uh, I do free returns, but I haven't been giving those that shipping back, and I haven't had any issues. And so just be just be aware of that because I I, I do think it's gonna be even more and more uh, here in 2024. I saw one of the comments on YouTube said they've never gotten so many scammy returns ever, and uh, I, I think there's some truth to that. Uh, I think there's some truth to that. Again, I don't think it's often, but they are happening more and more. All right. Now, do you think cost of shipping is being way more considered now than before? Do you think it matters? Do you think if free sh- is free, free shipping still a thing? Oh, man, I don't know where I land on this because I, I think that because of because of Amazon, fast and free shipping has become such an expected thing. But then again, I think it depends on what you're selling, right? Like if you're selling really unique collectible items on eBay, I don't think people mind paying shipping on it. I think people don't mind paying shipping if your price plus shipping is still super competitive and they're looking for a deal. Uh, But if you're in like a saturated market, I think, I think free shipping is one of those things that, that is still expected. So I think it kind of just depends on, on what market you're in. Yeah, no, that is true. That is true. I do find right now I have, I I've had a lot of people be more cautious about what they're spending on shipping. Um, I've had, you know, messages all the time, like, Hey, I, I'm willing to buy this. It, is there a way you can work on the shipping? Or I've had people after I shipped it saying, I, I can't believe how much I, I paid on shipping. Where before I don't, it wasn't that big of a deal, but I, I think now again, as people are looking spend their money you got to be very careful on shipping and i did have uh, you know a discussion about you know it's okay if if you have like your sizes a little bit more than you expect just in case to give you that cushion but don't give yourself too much because you might be pricing yourself out of buying something uh you know i had one scenario where i i was i was selling something and i had high shipping uh and what buyers don't know, a lot of buyers don't know, is the cost of shipping that they see on their screen uh, is based on where they are geographically. So they may ask you a question like, hey, how come it costs me so much to ship? And I have like a flat rate shipping. 
in comparison to the other people and have to explain to them, well, those people have calculated shipping and those people may be closer to you and that's a, that's why it's cheaper. But I'm willing to work with you on the shipping if you think I'm, you know, this may be a little much. And then, you know, I'll actually, I'll screenshot, um, you know, I don't screenshot the eBay. I don't screenshot the pirate ship. I screenshot what the regular person buying shipping would pay. Does that make sense? So right. I don't show them the discounted eBay rate. I don't show them the discounted pirate ship. I go to the USPS website and I'll put in the numbers there and then I'll show them that number so they get an idea. Because if you're showing those numbers, then it's really unrealistic because not everybody has access to those numbers. If you're not a top rated seller, you don't get as much of a discount on shipping. Um, and so, you know, you could show them a FedEx number that's 60% off and that might be way off. And I, I think in the end, it hurts all resellers when when you pass on that discount. Because uh, people have an expectation, but you know, to each their own. Uh, do what you got to do to run sales. But I, I do think you're going to have to be a little more cautious of shipping. Um, I'm not. I don't. I think as a seller, I don't think free shipping is the way to go anymore. Uh, I, I think free free shipping is way too expensive, especially with uh, USPS Ground costing a lot more than first class used to be. Uh, and on the other end, you also got to be careful that you're not overcharging too much. Uh, because people are really cautious about how much they are spending. All right. So, hey, let's talk a little bit uh, about our, our Discord. Been loving the Discord lately. <laughs> I love how people, I got to tell you, it motivates me because, you know, there's times right now that I'm kind of like, ah, oh, sales aren't coming through. And then you go on there and you're like, what? People are killing it. They're crushing it. And so if if, if you're looking, you know, to find a group so you don't feel as lonely. Somebody had mentioned this. saw this on, a, on social media. Uh, somebody had said about, you know, people ask me all the time, why do I still work a part time job? And that and that individual said, well, it's because if I didn't have a part time job, I'd, I wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> and reselling reselling can be like that. It's a very solitary process. And so if you're finding yourself like, man, there's no one to talk to. No one understands what I'm doing. I mean, the discord is not therapy. OK, but it is a place of community. And so Maybe if you want to open up a therapy, uh, a therapy channel on there. No, I, <laughs> oh, I think we all need therapy these days based on how things are going. But uh, if you if you want to help us out to get on the Discord, uh, you can help us out by joining our Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash podcast or go to the link below. Uh, for $5.55 a month, you can help support the podcast. And as a bonus, you'll be able to jump into the Pure Podcast community and thrive there with other resellers. You do not have to resell alone. Uh, another way you can connect with us too is also on social media. We are Pure Hustle Podcast on all platforms. We're Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. If you ever want to just talk to somebody with no one talking back to you, you can always leave us a voicemail at 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170, or shoot us an email and I will get back to you at purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. That's purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, grateful for all of you that tune in to the show on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast and you haven't jumped on YouTube, come on over uh, to YouTube, we always appreciate uh, people smashing that like button, leaving comments, letting us know what they think. And always grateful to all of you that leave us comments on the Apple side, uh, you know, to leave a review, to let people know what you think about the podcast. It helps in the algorithm. Uh, and we're welcome to all comments. I, I don't mind hearing, you know, how I need to stop talking and interrupting Mike, because that might be true sometimes. And sometimes I might look at this and go, well, that's okay, but I'm not too worried about it. So, um, hey, let, I just want to read a couple of these. Do you think they're positive or negative? 
Uh, I, I bet they're positive. I'm going oh, to be optimistic here. I'm going to start with defending Orlando. I like this Ooh, one. All right. Here we go. So this is late. So if you're wondering what we're talking about, iTunes reviews, you can go on there, leave a detailed note like this, and a five-star review would be great. Somebody said, defending Orlando. I'm surprised to see negative comments about Orlando. He's the only Jungian reseller. <laughs> okay. Is this dissing you now? That's not, that's not okay. Hey, that's all right. Let's hear it. They said, you <laughs> That's just, I thought it was a positive thing and now it got spun. He says he's the only genuine reseller on this podcast. I enjoy Mike's contributions, but I don't believe he actively resells, which is, it's true. You are part time. It's not like you're yeah, every day doing this. There are definitely months and, and, and years that I've been like grinding, grinding. And then the last, like, honestly, like six, seven months, man, it's been rough. I've had a kid in the hospital and moving. And yeah, so it's up and down on how often I'm reselling, but uh, sure. So, but that's that's the intention of the podcast, wasn't it? Right. Was I was yeah. full time, you were part time. So yeah, that's right. So you know, and then it said you are, you are the you are the genuine, legitimate reseller for sure. I'm like I'm like I'm like just the uh, I'm like the 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 kind of reseller. Well, I think the argument can be made. I'm the genuine full time reseller because that is true, right, right. Yeah. But you are just as genuine of a reseller, but you're not as active because you're part time. Um, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> the Orlando's Instagram stories are a highlight of my Saturdays. I appreciate that. And, and if you've been following us on Instagram, I haven't done one in like three weeks. And that's just because the holidays and it's been terrible out here in San Diego. Because you're not you a know. genuine reseller anymore. <laughs> well, it's because I don't go to the, contributing. I don't go to the thrift anymore. So unless I choose to go to the thrift and the one thrift store I go to. I have been told by other resellers that I must take a vow of silence and I cannot speak on the store. I cannot do social media at the store. And I'll respect that because it is a good store. So I can't I can't do that to other people. Uh, but if I get a local deal, I'll do that. So, hey, tune in this Saturday. I will be going to garage sales. I'm just checking to make sure it's this Saturday. Yes, I will be at garage sales. And, and uh, it's always a good time. So he's constantly out and about sourcing new items and he generally shares us his ones. Well, thank you. Thank you for defending me. Um, <laughs> all right one more um best reselling podcast 100 percent. oh by the way the other person that i uh, shared with us just their username so they know it's oso oso 951 thank you oso all right and this comes from miss mint 888 said i have a brick and mortar shop reselling secondhand and vintage items and have been wanting to go online did my toe a couple of times and finally took the plunge while listening to this podcast Good for you. Absolutely yeah. the best podcast on the topic. They have a great balance of personalities and are very easy and entertaining to listen to while still being meaty. I appreciate all the research and personal insight. It's always valuable. Thanks so much for giving your time and knowledge to make this podcast. Now, what does that less sign three mean? Is that like the heart? Does that mean yeah. love? Come on, man. No, I, I, Come I, on. Listen, I know I sound old. What does that mean? It's so old. It's just like a heart sign. It's like emoji okay. for like 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 love yeah like i love it all right well thank you miss man i really we, we both it's like a thumbs that. up you know like uh <laughs> it's like a heart i don't know man these emojis i know that's been around for a long time and i i kind of knew what that's what it meant but i just i thought it was time to confirm. what is this what is this colon and uh uh, uh closed parentheses mean <laughs> i'm not 100 percent sure is that a smiley face i think it kind of looks like one but <laughs> All right. Well, thank thank you for every thank you to everyone. We have more to share, but we'll we'll save this for our next theme uh, episode. All right, it's time to talk about some major wins by people now. Yeah. 
Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, our hustle of the week. All right. So our first one comes from um, Excelland Flips. Excelled. Excelled. I mistyped that. <laughs> You're always sabotaging me here. So Excelled, Excelled underscore flips. flips. Sorry. <laughs> Excelled underscore flips. Uh, picked up uh, Hasavana. Hasavarna sewing machine how do you pronounce that i think it's hasavarna hasavarna sewing machine for 400 dollars on marketplace okay so i haven't read the rest of this yet but i'm feeling like you got to know what you're doing to drop 400 dollars on something mm-hmm. so ended up listing it high and sold for full price at two thousand three hundred twenty dollars plus 150 dollars shipping Holy smokes. Also sold one of the attachments for $100 plus shipping and the second one for $95 plus shipping with everything added together sold for a total of $2,665. And that's from only paying $400. Holy smokes. I mean, <clears throat> that's paying up on something, but com- compared to how much you made, like, whew, man, that's yeah. a bolo. I'm going to be looking out for them sewing machines. I know. And, and they paid up, you know, they took a rip, but they knew what they're doing, you know? So, wasn't yeah. it wasn't it like last episode I was talking about like if you really know sewing you can make money doing it. You know what? You might be right. I think that I think you're right. I think you said that. So nice work there, Excelled Flips. All right. So this next one this comes from Seattle Rummage from the Discord. Uh, so they said so I don't usually post a lot. Kind of a lurker. And again, you can join the Discord and be a lurker. That's all good. It's all good. Uh, but I think this may be worth the hustle of the week. Hubby and I source storage units among other things. This was a gut buy a short while ago, a low cost unit for about $300 with dump fees and all. That's not bad. I mean, no. dump, dump fees can get pretty expensive and the labor, you know. Uh, we sort the sellable stuff, uh, get a count uh, to arrive to an average item cost per unit. For this unit, kind of a holy grail that happens not very often for us. The average cost was $3.50 an item. Uh, there were two items found in the unit that ended up surprising us. One sold in November, the other today. Yes, we do have free returns. So final on today's sale will be after 30 days, LOL, which that's good because you never know. You might get that return. It may not be hustle of the week anymore. Uh, It just shows how obscure items can be extremely profitable. And by now we learned to not ignore something just because it's tatty or weird. Okay, so this was this is kind of these were kind of strange items. And so I'll share with you in a little bit. Now, we might have listeners that listen and go like, oh, I know what that is. I, I don't know what this is. So uh, let me share. So the first sale was a crazy sale right off the bat. So the first sale here was a Valdemar Valerian Matrix 3 Volume 1 first edition printing. Uh, it's like a spiral bound book for $595 plus shipping. So spent huh. $300 and all and already you're in the profit from one book. Then they sold another Valdemar Valerian Matrix 3 Volume 2 First Edition printing for $300 plus shipping. Hey, that is crazy. Now, let me tell you how obscure this item is because I would have looked at this at a garage sale and I would not have looked twice about it. Let me give you the title. The title is... I don't know. It has a cool like uh, old sci-fi look to it. And it looks like... I think that there's money in that. But let me look at the title. The title is The Psychosocial Chemical, Biological, and, Electro- and Electromagnetic Manipulation of Human Consciousness. Is this like a, a, a Scientology? Kind of looks like something from Scientology. I, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. 
It's wait, wait, possible. Wait, okay, listen to this. I just pulled it up. Um, the okay. Matrix three one on Goodreads, and listen to this. Somebody in the comment said something about two paradigms that collided at Waco, Texas. Ah, that's like close <laughs> to home. Yeah, but that that doesn't. So what is Branch Davidian Scientology? Is that what? I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, don't don't sleep on those obscure. I honestly, you just never know. You just never. I I looked at these books on the Discord, and if you know, if you guys jump on uh, to the Discord, uh, you can find it under Hustle a Week. Uh, this find, like I would have looked at these books and I've been like, what? What is this? Right this now, is bizarre. Isn't it? It's okay, so I'm not the only one. And if you know what this is, let us know in the comments. I'm really interested. So, um, because I try to look like right, there's no reviews. There's no reviews on Amazon for these items. No, you gotta so, look at like Goodreads. Yeah, but even good. Here you go. Q and A. Okay, we're getting too much into this. I just, I just find it fascinating. Maybe um, we need to have a whole section that's not just hustle of the week, but just weird sales of the week. And just we just talk about weird things that people have found. Okay, so I'll read like, one more we could do some research. It could be like a whole episode where we like dig in and talk about the history of an item and like just the bizarre stuff. Well, okay, so on Goodreads, somebody did a QA. Somebody said, This book's description is way too long. You have the same sentence twice. Uh, volume one begins the journey telling how the consciousness of human beings is being modified by psychological social institutions. I thought it might seem interesting, but this review already has a what a needy meth addict vibe to it. I still might check it out. And then somebody responded, I'm going to say this is a must read. I have not read, but this information that people need to know, I'm about to order it. It's odd and it's not. This crucial information has been out there for years for people to find. Do some reading research. This book looks like a great place for people to start. It will open your mind to possibilities and the direction of the world. So, huh. who knows? Who knows? But it was enough for Seattle Rummage to just make $800 get gross profit on a unit that they spent $300 on. So well done there. Nice. Yeah. That means the rest of the stuff you sell from that that uh, unit, you're just going to be crushing it. So very cool. Yeah. All right. So our next one comes from Secondhand Hustle on Instagram. Um, so it was a Facebook marketplace for the win. Paid $25 for a pregnant Barbie. Um, what does that say? Midge. Okay, pregnant. Yeah, I'm not New sure. New package. Uh, yeah, package? I got that. One, but the the midge. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's um, midge. Is it the name? Yeah, it's the name. Huh. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I'll, sold I'll share a little day, bit about it. Okay, sold the day after Christmas. A Barbie, Happy Family, pregnant midge and baby, newest crib for two hundred and twenty dollars, twenty two dollars plus shipping. So that's a uh, that's ten x. That's legit. Yeah. Another Facebook Marketplace find. Yeah, yeah, Facebook nice Marketplace, man. I've I've done really well there. So secondhand hustle. Obviously, they knew what they were looking for. And and they've done the hustle of the week before. They had like a blow mold. I remember one time they did real well on. Uh so shout out to them for you know having a second or third hustle of the week. And same with Excel flips. But so do you know why the midge uh Barbie is worth money? Huh. Okay, so let me let me let's go to a very valuable give me, the, source. Give me a history lesson here. Yeah. So this is uh from wikipedia okay um so there's another barbie doll like barbie's friend named skipper but this is midge so midge was uh reintroduced but became controversial okay uh and so uh back in in 1993 1998 uh wedding day midge was sold with the groom being alan sherwood i don't know who that was had been marketed as midge's boyfriend in the vintage years 
The two had three children introduced named Ryan, Nikki, and Cassandra. They also had twins who were never introduced. This was known as the happy family line. And in the set, Midge was sold pregnant with Nikki as a newborn baby. The happy family product became the subject of controversy when some parents disliked the pregnant Midge toy because they believed that Midge was too young to have children. Along with that, Midge was also sold uh, without having uh, a wedding ring. And his customers also complained about the doll. Uh, for the fact that it promoted teen pregnancy. Uh, so another cause for this controversy was that Midge did not initially have a wedding ring, but this was later fixed. And so she was, so customers uh, complained about the doll that led to Walmart pulling the Midge dolls. And then a new version was produced for Walmart. This time, Midge was not pregnant. So if you're out and about and you're sourcing and you see a pregnant Barbie, you should look it up because it could be Midge. Yeah. Could be Midge, man. Midge ain't mid when it comes it's, to profit. It, it's just so it's just so wild that people got so upset about that. It just cracks me up a little bit. So yeah. I mean I get it, man. I get it. All right. All right. What is your hustle? So uh Mr. Oso, um, I did do some reselling over the weekend and uh I, I went to a uh, a estate sale. Uh, actually talked about it on Instagram. I'm not on there almost ever, but I did do a little reel about it. Picked up three items awesome. at this. Yeah, I picked up three items at this uh, place. And I've kind of, I've shifted how I like to source. Um, I used to be totally fine just buying lots of items that were like, I pay $5 for it and sell it for 20 bucks. And it was like, that's a win for me. And it, and that is a win. And, and if you can sell them quickly and they're easy to list, I, I might still pick up some of those items. But I found that I have so much less time right now for things like listing and shipping and taking pictures and all of those things, answering questions that I don't like spending all that time for low items. And so I've been okay with paying up a little bit. Um, if I can make $100 on a single listing, it's worth it to me, even if I had to pay $100 to get it. Now, you have to be a little bit more uh, careful there because you, there's more of a chance that you could lose more money, right? If you do a buy, bad buy and it's $5, not a big deal. Bad buy and it's $100, well, that one stinks. Uh, so anyways, what I sold that ended up being uh, pretty valuable for me, uh, it was a um, VHF antenna analyzer. So this thing is some kind of a, a ham radio device and it was marked at, basically, I think it was marked at $89 or $90, something like that, uh, but it was 25% off for that day of the estate sale. I could have came back the next day, but there was already a guy like scoop, scooping up all of the uh, ham radio stuff that he can get his hands on. He even walked by me when I had this and he goes, "Ooh, look at that. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Huh? <laughs> I kept going as fast as I could to some more stuff. Uh, so um, I, I, I don't think any of the stuff that I picked up would have been available on the 50% off day. So I think I did the math and it's like $66 is what um, I paid for this. Uh, and I just sold it uh, this evening right before we oh, started nice. the podcast for $196.43. I go. took an offer on that and it was worth it because that basically paid for the rest of my stuff. I'm like, after all my fees and stuff, I may be like $20 still in on this uh, estate sale. Um, and then I still have probably a good $400 of profit to come uh, now that I've pretty much broken even. So yeah, it was a good, it was a good deal. It's a, uh, it wasn't one of those flips where I 10 X my money, but I, I made more than a hundred dollars on one single listing. So to me, that's worth it. Cause it, I used to be okay with making a hundred dollars off of five listings. And I still would be okay with that if I needed to, but it's just, I don't mind paying up a little bit if I'm going to make more on one, one, one deal. You know, no, I, I agree. I agree. And, and 
when it's something that is, is harder to find, you know, you don't find what you picked up like just at any no. or random. No, one, you know, right. So, all right. So mine, I, I I enjoyed mine because it was one of those of persistence, and so I ended up going to an estate sale, and it was out in like the country part of of San Diego, where you know, there's like you know farmers and cowboys and everything that does exist in San Diego, and. And this this estate sale was like the entire lot. So there was like a house. There was, I think, like eight different like portable storage things. There was like a barn. There's everything. And it was like American picker style. Like, you know, there's tetanus everywhere. Like it was just it was crazy. And so I remember going in and and there were spiders and it was dusty. And I'm going through all this all this crud and and. It was just, man, it was, it was like, if you ever watch American Pickers, when they get into the ceilings or they get into the old barns, this is exactly what it was. And I was in one of these and, uh, there, there's been this guy that I've been seeing more and more at, at garage sales. And I'm like, oh, this guy's competition. And he had been in there a while. And I said, Hey, so you pick up any stuff. You're, you were the guy that uh, picked up those Griswold pants the other day. And if you heard my Griswold pants story, you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, oh, hey, yeah, no, there's nothing in here. And I'm like, hey, in my head, I'm like, yeah, maybe he missed something. And I look and I look and sure enough, I find this crusty box. There's dust all over it. And I open it and there's a bunch of Louis L'Amour books. And if you don't know what Louis L'Amour is, Louis L'Amour is like Western uh, books. It's set in the 1800s uh, and it's just like cowboy. Think of like John Wayne kind of scenario uh, kind of books. And these are like the paperback novels. They're, they're not worth a lot. Okay, so if you pick up the leather bound ones, those are probably worth picking up. But if you pick up just the the regular like paperback that you could find like at a supermarket or whatever, they're not worth very much. But in this box, I want to say there was about I, I when I first checked it, I thought there was like 50 to 60 in there. So I took it out and I was like, I wonder if if I lock these up, if anybody will buy them. And so I, I brought them out and, and the owners out there, I'm like, look at these books. They're like, oh, wow, that's a huge amount of Louis L'Amour books. And it was. And, you know, I said, how much? And he's like, well, I don't know, what, 10 bucks? And I was like, they're pretty bad shape. How about five bucks? He's like, whatever, $5. So I took it home and I listened. They're, they ended up being 93 books. So you talk about, you know, is it worth the time to list? 93 books. Now, I chose to lock these up because each book by themselves would have been maybe worth two to five dollars. But if I list all 93 at once, you know, I could get a little bit more money. I probably would have made more money long term, but who knows? I could have been selling those books for years. So I lotted them all up. And sure enough, this Q4, uh, somebody paid $145 plus shipping for all 93 books. And so, you know, it was a great feeling of validation going, I'm glad I persisted. I'm glad I went through. I didn't listen to the the other guy saying there was nothing there. I found this item. I lotted them upright and I made the sale. So that is of the week. So that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And appreciate everybody. And if, if, you know, make sure to always tag us on, on Instagram, it gets a little bit more tough uh, to find hustle of the week because Instagram has changed the way you can look things up. I can't, if you just, Hashtag hustle a week. I'm only going to see it if it gets a lot of likes. But if you hashtag hustle a week and you tag us, we're going to see yeah, it. So now, now you yeah. need something that Mike had been saying. I've been, I've been saying tag us from the beginning, man. <laughs> I know, I know. And you're like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't do that. Instagram would ever change that. So uh, make sure uh, to tag us so we don't miss 
your hustle of the week. Hey, before we move on, uh, there's uh, one company that's always done well with us, and it's American Bubble Boy. Uh, just had somebody, uh, too legit to break, bought some tape uh, from us using our code. You get 5% off uh, on pretty, I would say it's the best deal on tape. Thirty, I think it's like $34.99. You get 12 rolls of clear tape, and it's free shipping. Uh, so you can use our code Pure Hustle to get that in the link below. And they also have bubble wrap. And this Q4 bubble wrap was something I really needed quickly and they got it to me within one or two days so if you haven't checked out american bubble boy go to the link below and check out american bubble boy all right so how are things changing for sellers here now what is the state for sellers in 2024 mike um well let's we do see have what notes. we got right here <laughs> less sellers on platforms people returning to work you think that's okay, true so we said that um so okay so what you're saying is this is what we said back in june that there's less sellers right. on the platform i said something totally yeah. different already yeah i don't know i think i think there's a lot of people reselling right now like you said at the beginning of the the podcast but i feel like they're all gonna fall off i feel like because reselling is not the easy gold mine that it was uh before i i don't think that I don't think a lot of the newer resellers are going to stick around. I do think there's a big influx. I think reselling has become much more mainstream. I think there's a lot of people who do it. Um, I'm kind of surprised how many people I talk to and I kind of expect to say like, oh yeah, you know, I resell inside on the eBay, uh, on, e on eBay and I go to garage sales and, and for me to think that they're going to think it's either weird or whatever. And I, so many times people are like, oh yeah, I do that too. I flip stuff on offer up all the time or I flip. So I think things like marketplace and offer up maybe even more so than eBay, I think is not what it used to be uh, because so many average everyday people, which is good because we want them selling stuff on there because they're selling their personal stuff. But I think a lot more people have realized, Oh, I could flip things on here and actually make money. So I do think there are more, uh, but I just don't think that a lot of them are going to like stick around. Like I can't imagine that there's going to be more resellers at the end of 2024 than there was in like 2020. If that makes you know sense. I, that's a valid point. I just, I had a discussion with somebody, a friend of mine uh, texted me and said, Hey, I got these board games. And, uh, you know, my one child said, just put them up on offer up and we can sell all three for like 90 bucks to a hundred bucks. And I looked at the comps and one of the board games was worth like almost $200. And so I texted him back and I'm like, Hey, listen, as a friend, I'm telling you, like, you could do that. Or you could list these on eBay and you can make, you know, two to three hundred dollars. Right. You got to figure out. And and they're like, well, what are some tips? And then as I started, you know, texting them, I said, you know, make sure you know how you're going to ship these. Uh, do you know about large flat rate boxes? <laughs> do you know how to take pictures? Uh, do you know about promoted listings? And I kept going on and on and on. And I was like, wow, like this, this is a learning curve, you know, where yeah, I think on offer up, it's pretty easy, right? They just take the picture is how much I'm selling it for and somebody shows up and buys it. So I think, yeah, I think it's twofold. I think one end, there are more sellers now than before on the platform, but they may sell off. And that's kind of our, our other point here. I, I do think a lot of resellers in 2024 are going to move to part-time. And I don't, I want to repeat this. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a sign of failure. I think it's a sign of adjusting. Uh, I can tell you myself, uh, I am looking, I, you know, I teach homeschool uh, once a week. I teach home, uh, a co-op and uh, I'm looking at doing that twice a week now just because I like having that safety net. Um, I don't know what the year is going to bring. And so if I can, you know, teach a couple other classes and maybe make a little bit of more supplemental income on the side, 
in case I have that bad month, which January's are looking looking really bad for me already, or you know something happens, I get I get sick. I was sick for a week and a half uh, over in December, and it was brutal, man. Listing shipping was was brutal, and so I do think if there's ever a time, uh, I, I go the opposite. It's funny because uh, our good friend Tim the Slim on Discord. Right. I, I, I did everything I could to convince him not to go full time. And he and went full time it, and he's, he's crushing it. it. He's crushing yeah. it. He is. He really, really is. And so you just got to you just got to think about it. I think he's motivated, though. That That's why I think he's he's crushing it. Like that guy does not stop. Like he's always posting on the discord. I mean, the stuff he's finding, he's listening, he's making it happen. And I think if you have that motivation where you're going to work, you know, 18 hours a day to make things happen, then, you know, maybe you don't need to. But I, you know, like me, I have, I have, you know, I have two kids I got to take care of. Um, you know, I live in California and uh, my rent is probably three times what most people that listen to the podcast pay for rent. Not because I'm wealthy, just because I live in California. That's it. That's it. Um, you know, the other day I was watching somebody and they had this really nice house and it was in Chicago, not even like a very like, uh, you know, it's it's expensive to live in Chicago. But the amount of rent I was paying and what they were getting was ridiculous, ridiculous. And so, you know, that's something you you have to consider. But, you know, don't see it as a bad thing if you end up having uh, to go part time. Yeah, no, same. Like, I agree with that. Like I said earlier in the podcast, there's if yeah if you can make it where you say hey i'm able to resell on ebay only and i make so much money yeah that would be ideal that would be the dream but even orlando you've said like you what you care about with the reselling part is the treasure hunt um more than just like making it because you might be able to and and i don't know it's hard to say because if you find somebody who are to, to come to you and say like look i've got a i've got a connection like do you think that the latin uh latin pickers do you think they love books more than anything in the world or is it just they, no, they ran no. into like something that they were good at and they were able to make a lot of money right so if you found somebody who said like look i got a connection to whatever it is these parts they're all like new in box and i can get you like 400 of them a month for this x price and you're going to be able to 3x that on ebay so if you got something like that like yeah that would be that would also be great um but if you are if what you love doing is like just the hunt part of it then yeah, you might get to a point where just doing the hunt part of it, and I'm not talking just you, Orlando, I'm saying people yeah, in I general. Get it. I get it. Um, if what it is that you enjoy about reselling isn't the fact that like, hey, I need the resell into, like it's the only thing I could do for, I, I need my freedom and I, I, I need the hunt. But if you're like, hey, I just need money. Yeah, it might actually make more sense financially for you to go get a part-time job somewhere and you can make just as much doing that per hour or more guaranteed with some benefits and other things. And then you could keep doing the, the the reselling on the side and still have that hunt, still have that extra cash flow, still have, you know, that all, all the things that, that reselling can give you, including some freedoms and, and all of that extra money. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, there's I don't think I, I wouldn't if somebody told me, like, I'm still reselling, I'm basically making minimum wage now, but I'm working, you know, 20 hours a week to make ends meet. Like, I'm not going to I don't look at that as like, man, you're winning. I look yeah, at that oh, as I like, agree. maybe maybe go do something else and then just resell on the side and then then you would enjoy doing it more so yeah but uh so i don't think it's a bad thing to do um or or not even just getting another job but finding another side hustle maybe you realize like i'm really good at restoring old furniture and so that's what i'm going to do on the side 
uh, and reselling taught me that skill. Who knows? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I just, I, you know, I always care about people making it, right? Because I, I feel that a lot of people on YouTube are very fast and loose with the information and, and they're very quick to tell people to go full time. And, and, you know, I made it and blah, blah. But everybody has a different circumstance. Everybody has a different story, you know? And so, you know, there, there are some people that, that are limited because of life circumstances of how much they can actually put into reselling a day. Or there there's some people that, you know, um, they are able to do what you say, like somebody approaches them and Hey, you know, they're willing to sell whatever. Right. And, and we get approached like that sometimes. And, and I've turned down a lot just because that's not what I do. What I enjoy about reselling is more of the time freedom, you know? And so you got to think about, you know, is it, is it, is it the reason that sales aren't coming through? Is it because you're unwilling to make some adaptions? Uh, I don't know if that's the real word. You're not willing to adapt. Or, or are things really, really bad? And that leads us to our last point here is I, I really do think 2024, like you already said, is going to be the year where a lot of resellers get left behind. And I already see that happening. I think I may be one of those that is being left behind right now because I think there's something in my systems that I have not fixed. Uh, I, I don't think I should be doing as poor as I'm doing lately. I, I think I should be getting a lot more sales, but I don't blame the economy. I don't blame eBay. I think it's part of part part of it is I'm still old school. Listen and forget it. And I do think there's a huge amount of inventory. I just got to move and I'm trying to move that inventory. Um, I, I was talking to Mike before the podcast said I may go super liquidation, 70, 80 percent just to sell off all that old stuff and get that capital and buy better inventory uh, to put in my store. Because at three thousand something items like I, I should be having way better sales than I'm having right now. And I'm not. And I think that's my fault. That's my fault for, you know, not moving so fast enough in, in the early days and still keeping that inventory. Uh, but like you said, I think a lot of people will uh, eventually see that they're better off working um, uh, and then trying to adapt to eBay. You know, if you're not willing to do the sales, you're not willing to promote, you're not willing to uh, adapt to what people are buying. You're going to be in a very tough place in 2024. And we don't know. 2024. Like you said, you know, election years, generally things do get better. Uh, the only time that things didn't get better in election years was the depression of 32, uh, 2008. I think we had a down, obviously the downturn, uh, 2000, we had the dot com bust. And so those were years where the economy really, really suffered uh, during an election year. But and so who knows about 2024? We don't know. But what we do know is our own businesses and what allows us to thrive and what allows us to continue to succeed. So hopefully you found this podcast valuable. Hopefully it helped you get a perspective on what you're doing and what to improve on or just validated that you need to keep doing what you're doing because you're killing it out there. With that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.